1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and once again I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the Daily Records Andy Newport and Sunday Mail's Chief Football Writer Scott McDermott. We'll look back on the 3-0 win over Wraith Rovers at the weekend. That secured a place in the Scottish Cup semi-finals for Rangers. A third trip to Hamden this season. Um... And the draw made on Monday night after Falkirk's win over Air United in the last of the quarterfinal ties. Andy Scott. Before the draw, uh, you always hear the conspiracy theories. There's going to be hot and cold balls. <laughs> they're going to make sure. <laughs> they're going to make sure that uh, there's an old firm final to end the season. But it obviously, never worked. Andy. And the big question is. Do Rangers have the balls to get revenge on Celtic? Oh, that's a big oh, question,
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was good. Don't laugh. How long do you
1: think I was <laughs> awake tonight thinking that? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's just off the cuff? Oh. In all seriousness,
2: got
1: it. In all seriousness, Rangers and Celtic drawn together, you know. I don't know whether you would have preferred an old film final or.
2: Yeah, or I mean, would, that, that would have been nicer. I think the showpiece mm-hmm. uh, of the top two going, going at it uh, on June the 3rd or whatever it is uh, mm-hmm. would, have been, would have probably been preferable. I'm sure the sponsors would, would have preferred that. Um, but, you know. Yeah, to, to your question, but I mean, Rangers getting nerve for this, uh, it's to be seen. I mean, um, so far the evidence of this season is that um, no, that they haven't stood up in, in these big games. Um, okay, they get a, a decent draw, at Eyebrooks, but you know, again, you know, they really needed to see that game out when they were ahead. You know, that might have made a difference in terms of the the title race picture. They couldn't, they couldn't see the game out. They ended up drawn to each. Um, Then you obviously look at the game in September, uh, as one-sided as those firm games come, and uh, last month's game, where again, bar a 20-minute period, um, really it was Celtic who who were the dominant force, so um, you you would say that Rangers go into this game next month as underdogs, um, and uh, really take a big performance for them to turn around, the performance that they really haven't mustered against Celtic since this stage of the competition last year when, when obviously they, they beat Celtic uh, after extra time, so um, it's really down to Michael Beale to try and get uh, a performance at this team. I would suggest that there's no chance you'll see a midfield of Tillman, Lundström and Glenn Kamara uh, this next game. If, if Michael Beale's get any sense he will, and I'm sure he'll, he'll know this himself, that he, for his own sake he can't, you know, in terms of his team selection, he can't get it wrong. He, you know, it took it's been a almost flawless start bar that game for him, um, but he, he opened. He left himself open to some pretty stinging criticism because he got his team wrong on the day, um, and I suspect that he'll know that he has to get it absolutely correct for, for the game when it when it comes around on June. Uh, sorry, uh, April twenty sixth or twenty seven or oh, twenty nine or thirty. Oh, yeah, whatever I whatever date it is.
1: But but Scott, uh, Andy's actually answered my question. I was going to say if there was one thing that Michael Beale will have learned from that final defeat, what is it? Uh, And I suspect most people agree that it is the midfield. Do you expect to see Jack Raskin Cantwell line up
0: at the moment? Yeah, I would give I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. Uh, Injuries for him, whatever. Um, But in terms of what he's learned, I think what I've learned is that you cannot. Compete, or you cannot beat this Celtic team unless you play with intensity and speed and urgency and you know, tempo in your game and you get after them. Uh, I'm surprised, still surprised that Rangers didn't take that approach in uh, the League Cup final because I think most outsiders know that, that if you're going to really cause this Celtic team problems it's when you put them under. You need to put them under pressure. I think that's the only time I see the Celtic's team show any kind of weakness or, or vulnerability is when teams get after them and get in their face, match their work rate, you no know, play with the same uh, the same intensity. So Rangers are going to have to do that if they go right in them. As Andy says, only time will tell. I mean, the evidence doesn't suggest so that they're going to need you no know, a similar performance to the one they produced. Uh, no, Gio Van Bronck's team produced in the semi-final last season. You know, if you look back at that game, Rangers were high energy for the start. You know, they really got in their faces. Remember the you no know, you know Calvin Bassey. remember being instrumental and you know, he would come out of the, the back line and go and press Celtics, Celtics midfield, you no know, closing down that space that Celtics two number eights you know, used so effectively now Lundstrom probably had one of his best games for Rangers that day. I thought he dominated the midfield, he got in about Hatati. Um well, people probably think he was lucky you not know, to pick up you no know, bookings and stuff that day, but he was at it and he was he was in Celtic's face. But that's the kind of performance they're going to need. I don't think anything changes. Um and I think he will have learned through the through the League Cup final. I think there'll be more energy in the team. I would expect, as you say, Raskin and Cantwell to feature heavily. Um, you know, Ryan Jack maybe depend on, as I say, kind of fitness and form and stuff like that, but it will certainly be a different team to the to the League Cup final, that's for sure.
1: Lots of fans, Andy, before the draw, saying, do you want Celtic in the semi-final or the final? What would you prefer? You know, I saw loads and loads of debate on it. Do you think psychologically there is... Any advantage to, for Rangers in terms of playing Celtic in the semi-final as opposed to the final? Do you think when you get to that final stage, I know I know many people will see this as the final before the final, but do you think if Celtic were going for the treble and it was actually on the final day, there would be more pressure than a semi-final? No, or is that?
2: I, th- I think one way or another, Rangers are going to have to beat Celtic if they want to stop Celtic winning yeah. the treble and, and and the Scottish Cup. I mean, so yeah. I think I looked, having
1: well, just lost a final, having just lost, you know, they played them and lost in a final.
2: I, so recently, I really don't think it matters because in the end they're really going to have to beat them one way or another. I mean, the only thing I can think of that might you know be preferential is the fact that if they lose this, they don't have to see Celtic go up the stairs and, and lift the trophy. But that that's about it. Um, yeah. End of the day, you know, to to win this competition, Rangers are going to have to stop a Celtic team that, you know, very few teams this year, three, in fact, are able to get a result against. And obviously, one of those. So, you know, the fact that, you know, these other two teams are Leipzig and Real Madrid sort of tells you that the form Celtic are in. Um, You know, Rangers are it's going to take a big performance uh, p- perhaps probably the biggest of the season bigger than say psv away um they're gonna to have to reach heights that they really haven't done especially consistently this season um so but
0: in terms of what what stage it comes at i don't think it makes any difference at
2: all to Be honest with you, I've, give.
0: I, I think i actually think there is something that you're yeah. saying i think i think psychologically the pressure to get into that final and being in the players minds you know what happens if we lose this and as Andy says though know, you've got to be there on the day that Celtic you no know, land the treble No, you yeah. need to, you know for the fans and what what that would mean you know, having lost the two Cup finals lost the league silly, no, you, you know as soon as if, if, if Rangers lose the semi final you
2: know yeah. I' Of, of, of course, that but, more, but that you're,
0: you're not. not you're, you're, you're not. the, the team that. Either, so. but yeah. the team that loses it on the day. Yeah. You know yeah.
2: What yeah. I mean? take the trophy in the semi-final if they get through because
0: there is, there's no doubt that the the occasion
1: of a final is. I know. I mean, I know what you're saying, Andy. I, I I get all that. But there's no doubt as a player going to the final, the whole occasion of the final is bigger than a semi-final. You know, if you, if you put all of that together. You know,
0: there's probably there's probably less pressure in a semi final. I think so. I think. Listen, you, you don't want to lose. You no, know, don't, don't want to lose the semi final. It'd, it'd be another disastrous day yeah. for Rangers. But if you lose the semi final, the players and Michael Beal can almost just go away. The season's yeah. finished. They just dis, They just disappear. Yeah. Celt- Celtic going to get the you no. Know, They're going to get a treble and, and kind of party on into the into the summer. I think. Yeah. That's right. I think there's more, there's clearly more on the final and the tre- just in terms of if we're talking about this Rangers team maybe lacking a bit in mentality yes. and a bit psychologically vulnerable, I think getting Celtic the semi-final makes it a tiny bit, tiny bit easier for them. And I say mean, a tiny bit, but I do mean, think it makes a difference.
2: But in the contrary, you can argue that if Rangers lose the final next month, then they've got four weeks of a season left that is utterly meaningless and damp squib and you know whatever frustrations are floating about the place right now become even maximized even further you know you've still got another old firm game after that to come you know i'm not sure i I think either way a defeat is going to look pretty stinky for Rangers. so um I I i just don't i'm not entirely convinced uh, one's worse than the other, so that, that would be my take. Right. Oh sorry, I'm not not
1: saying one's worse than the other, i just saying you know do, do,
2: do. Or, or, one, or one's more preferential than the other I'm just, you know, or one's
1: more preferential. You lose to
2: Celtic in the semi-final and you've got you know, a month of dead rubbers to play yeah. or you're losing the final and you have to stand there and watch Celtic and collect you know, what is it, their fifth treble in six or seven years, so um know eight years so I'm not as I say I'm just not convinced that it's um it's it's any easier you don't
1: think it's any easier it's, you don't think there's any less pressure on the Rangers players no. a semi-final or final. It's, an old,
2: it's an old firm game effectively yeah. with a Scottish Cup on the line whether it's the final or the semi-final you know Rangers have got to go in thinking that if they don't win this game Celtic will go on and take care of lower league opposition in the final as, as everyone expects them to do so so if, if Rangers can't muster a way to, f- to stop this team, then you know, you're effectively handing Celtic another trophy over. So, um, you know, I think that's got to be the, the mindset then, for the Rangers players. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: Andy, you you were at the game on Sunday, um, a, a home game on a Sunday. The weather was miserable. The atmosphere would not probably be the best anyway, but obviously. Whatever game, whenever it takes place, that corner of the Broomland Road where the Union Bears are housed, they normally create an atmosphere. They were missing on Sunday. Uh, this refused entry because of
2: banners. The club said it was angry. Anti- not, not refused entry, they refused permission to bring in.
1: Refused permission and, and, and Optic decided to stay away because of that. Uh, there was a lot of you were at Ibrooks um on Sunday. I was also working, there was lots of rumors about what the banners may have said. Initially there was they were saying it was anti-banners, anti-board banners, then the club said it was anti-police banners, amongst others. The bottom line is there is clearly a a real issue going on between the, the ultras and maybe even another section of fans and the board uh f- first and foremost how did it affect the atmosphere was it was it
2: you're, you're right when you, yeah you're right when you say uh, you know that a lot of home games could be quiet you know it's just that's the way it is you know you're playing against opposition that are sitting in and uh, not really looking to make much of a game of it um so a lot of the time you're really looking for the team to create their own atmosphere and the union bears you know a majority of these games they're pretty much the only noise you can hear and you know um and they do uh, they do a job in, in a sense in terms of creating that bit that of noise that there is but it was so noticeable on sunday that they weren't there um it was it was easily quiet it was you know you could hear the players talking you could hear the managers and the coaches from the sidelines shooting on the instructions you could hear at one point you could even hear the referee uh, he was over in the uh, sort of the, the touchline near the main stand you could see the referee talking to one of the players at one point um just a, underneath where i was sitting in, in the gantry in the front of the main stand so um you know unusually quiet and you know obviously the, the action and the pitch didn't really help generate much atmosphere Um, you know race rovers basically sat with 10 guys behind the bed uh, behind the ball, sorry, where Isma and Calve's up front as the lone striker. Um, and it was, you know, a game that it was only really when it was a sort of half an hour mark ticked by and there'd been not much going on that some grumbles came from the stands and that sort of generated a wee bit of noise. But yeah, it was, it was a strange atmosphere, a very strange atmosphere about having those, those ultras in the, in the corner.
1: Scott, what do you think about in terms of? not even just the Union Bears, even in general. um, I seem to remember Neil Lennon many years ago when the the Green Brigade uh, displayed banners and it was banners that the club had told them not to and he he had a real go at them calling himself indulgent and and taking liberties. Do you think sometimes maybe these fans groups, you know, do sort of think they speak for everyone and, you know...
0: no, I think if I hit the name of the head, give that, that's my feeling about a lot of these fans' groups. You know, they kind of kick off as being quite good and add to the atmosphere and, you know, very supportive. But it's then, it's almost like they start to kind of believe a bit of their own, you know, kind of self-importance and yes. a, bit of, a bit of hype. And they start to believe that, or they start to think that they speak for the entire, the entire range of support. Um, it's a bit sometimes like... The kind of online ranger support and you know, like the kind of social media, you, you, it's easy to get kind of, um, it's easy get kind of in. You, know, you see a lot of the same, you no, know, a lot of the same voices online, and you start to believe that's what everybody thinks. And I, I think a lot of the time it isn't. You no, know, there's forty odd thousand season ticket holders at Ibrox, many of whom, you no, know, I don't doubt they'll be online or be on social media, but they're no, they're no vocal on it, um. So I think you need to be careful, uh, you know, in terms of buying into buying into all that. But I, I think you're right. I do think these a lot of these kind of small fans groups. You no, know, as I say, they, they start to believe a bit of that you know, they the kind of how important they think they are, and I don't think it's really a true gauge. I mean, I'm a bit kind of this. I don't know, what Andy. Think I just feel as if you no know, the criticism that's been you know, the regular banners now. No, no, getting into the game at, at the weekend. I mean, it, I mean, you would think Rangers were in crisis. No, I know it's. I know they're not in a position they want to be. they're, they're, kind of, they're behind Celtic. They're looking at you know, losing a second title in the trot. But well, from where Rangers have come from, I know, and I know that's heart and back again. But I mean, it wasn't that long. No, two years ago they won a title, European final, Scottish Cup. You no, know, Michael Beale's record since he came in. Part of the League Cup finals been exemplary. I mean, listen, I get there should be a bit of frustration, but to me, it seems a bit, it seems a bit over the top, and I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how much the normal punter, or what I would call the normal punter, would buy into it, This kind of heavy, heavy criticism of the club's hierarchy. I might be totally wrong. Maybe the majority of Rangers fans, I just, i totally fed up, but I don't know.
2: I tend to see it as that this has been coming for a while, I actually think the start Michael Beale made put a bit of a lid on it for a spell, but this is really just a continuation of what you saw before Giovanni Van Bronco lost his job, when you saw the sort of scenes that we saw at the AGM where Ross Wilson got it really tight uh, from a section of the, the, the shareholders that took the opportunity to put questions to him. And I understand what you're saying, Scott, in terms of where the club has been and where it's sitting now, but I think the thing that will frustrate the fans is wasted opportunities, waste, wasted money. Oh, 100%. Uh, Listen, I get it. I totally is, get that. This is what... It's not... Because I don't think you can fault this board in terms of, you know, the financial backing they put in. They, they put their money where their mouth's, at, their mouths are, umpteen times, you know, Buying shares, giving out loans, you know, and to, to make sure the lights stay on. I think the thing that frustrates them is the fact that the, the frustrates the fans is the fact that there's been times where money's been misspent. Y- you think things like Sydney Super Cup and the legal action that there's likely to come over that. You think about some of the signs that have been made, you think of some of the court battles with the likes of Sports Direct, Mike Ashley, the the, the competitions, um Find that they got in terms of selling the jerseys for, or fixing jersey prices, um, these are the things that frustrate fans, even Edmonton's house hasn't, uh, the construction of the new facility there hasn't been smoothly and has cost more than was initially expected um, These are the things that, you
0: know see, see is a are, This is a football and fan Andy, this is a football fan you ever got to games, but so would you honestly turn up and think I'm going to really vent my anger today because I'm not happy with Edmundston House. I'm not happy with that. Yeah, what I'm saying is that those, are the <laughs> things, those are the things
2: that have stopped the club maximising what it's able to produce in the park, along with the mistakes in terms of recruitment and things like that. You know, if you've, you know, you're have having to spend, what is it? Not got the fingers to hand, but in terms of what they've spent in terms of dealing with Mike Ashley, it's, it's millions of pounds. Millions of pounds that could have been spent in the team. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there are legacy issues that go back even further than that that's bold, but you know it's, it's it's money that has not been put where it should be. And I think that's the, the, the frustration that these things haven't been dealt with. And then I mean I do think I do think it's a bit I can understand the fans' frustration in terms of you think about all the social media, the marketing use that the the club makes use of in terms of Union Bears, T you think back to that huge banner that they had for the, the game against Leipzig. Um, ahead of the kick-off and you know that's been everywhere on Ibrook's promotional material and yet so it's okay for the club to make use of those sort of images but when it's something a, a bit critical uh, all of a sudden they're sort of kicking off and saying they can't bring their bars in I mean indeed this is a discord that isn't going to end well unless it's, it's the, the major issues are addressed and the major issue is effectively the, the, the performance in the park If Rangers continue to lag behind Celtic and you know, if, if Celtic are able to overtake this, you know the, the the trophy mark, which I think is the the big thing, so sort i of concerning a lot of Rangers fans right now. You know, it could be as soon as say a year from now. If, if Celtic win a treble and win the league cup next year, that would be them level. So these are the the, the the clock is ticking, and Rangers need to find a way. This Rangers board needs to find a way to protect the fans, because I just I can see these concerns, these frustrations, these protests growing. I don't think it's going to go the other way. I think it'll only get bigger and bigger. You know, if they lose it the next Old Firm game, if they lose at Hamden in the, in the, the Scottish Cup semi-east, the, the feeling of anger that is boiling away right now is going to magnify tenfold, you know what
0: I mean? I, I, to- oh. I, I totally get that, but I, as I say, I just think the, in terms of the timing of it, Michael Beal Michael needs this summer transfer window when he spoke about it so so many times. I mean, his record since he came in has been excellent, apart from obviously the, the Cup final. I think we've said on here, this summer's window is going to be absolutely huge. And I think at the start of next season, once Michael Beal's at the pre-season, he's got his own players in with the window shuts. First off, from game will be Ibrox next season. I think if things weren't going Rangers' way then, if they weren't competing properly with Celtic at the top of the league and in Europe, I could see it intensifying. To me, at this moment in time, I given Seville and you no know, you know, winning the league a couple of years ago. I just find it a bit over the top at this moment in time. And as I see this, I get fans, I completely understand frustration at being behind Celtic. Some of the performances, particularly to Parkhead under Geo, were dreadful, unacceptable. Um, so I totally understand frustrations on the, the football part. And of course, you can you no know, fans get a right to moan about spending three million on Rabbi Metondo and you know, the money you're spending Kmart roof and he's never fit. I mean, I get all that, but playing devil's advocate, you know, you can flip back and say, Well, we paid nothing for Calvin Bassey and sold him for twenty million. Do you know what I mean? And that again comes back to the point of the summer. And I said this on here last week. I think the the question on every fan's lips is how much money's gonna be there in the summer to back Michael Beale. I think Michael Beale's probably wondering themselves how much money is going to be there, because there should, there should be money there available, and they're going to need it to go and compete with this Celtic team next season.
1: Plus, Andy, I mean, I, t- I totally take your point about when the Union Bears have great TFOs and all that, and, it, and it's publicised, and then there's banners that they maybe don't like to say no. But, I mean, we have to state that if if the anti-police message that, that, that we're led to believe was on the banner, I mean, the club were, were right, surely. To
2: not let them in with that. Well, it depends on what aspect you think they are disagreeing with because if it's the, from what I led to believe, it was a coded message that refers to ACAB. There's there's a banner in the way support that says that explicitly ACAB, not the coded numbers that refer to it that we believe was included in this one. Mm -hmm. Every week, every week, I sat there a couple of weeks ago, Kilmarnock, the Ross County games. And there's somebody holding up. It's a small, no bigger than a sort of A3 piece of paper, but mm-hmm. it, the ACAB on it. You know, it's a it's a, it's a, uh, a sort of motto that's sort of common to a lot of ultra groups. You you you'll see other ultra groups with similar banners. But it, so is it? If it's that aspect, then if it's the ACAB part, then why is this small banner that's been up at pretty much every home game for the last? you know, year, year and a bit not being taken down? Is it the image of the, I believe that it's supposed to be a a policeman dressed but mocked up as a pig? Is, is that what the issue was? I'm, I'm not sure I would find that highly offensive. I'm not a policeman, but I'm not sure I would, that would fall under highly. We, we need to see it first. I mean, this is the thing. We're, we're having to sort of go with the club or saying, but all, all I'm thinking is that, you know, is it that, is that enough to start? You know, Perfect. it just seems—it just seems a bit.
1: It's the timing is convenient. Is yeah. A week
2: after that, they obviously had a pop at the board uh, during the commandment game. Okay. They're, they're having banners are uh, removed. Yeah. I mean, that'll be the argument of the, the the fans, as I'm sure.
1: Okay, right. Let's get back to the football. So after the game, Michael Beale says Morelos has to do more. I mean, when we were at the AGM last year, Andy, remember? Um, I think it was Ross Wilson himself that was talking about Kent and Morelos. Remember, they were all getting lumped together, and he was saying they were totally different situations. Michael Beale almost—he was spelling that out, wasn't it? After the game, you know, he, he clearly wants Kent, but Morelos needs to do more. Uh, this came over the weekend when reports claimed that Morelos had signed a pre-contract agreement with Seville. He has denied that to the club. We believe what in terms of. Were well, you surprised by Michael Beale's comments, number one, to Seville? Would you be surprised if a club of Seville's stature were asked? I mean, I know they've been linked to him before. They've been linked to so many clubs. The first
0: yeah, question. about to get relegated, do not they? Seville. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the third bought in the league, I think.
1: Is that right? Okay. Well, well
2: first first question. uh no, I'm not surprised that Michael Beale said that um, because it's pretty much a repetition of what Gio van Brunker said all those months back ago, whenever it was August, um, ahead of the PSV game. That he needs to show more. He needs to, you know, be fitter. I mean, there has been. He's certainly improved since the early parts of the season, but no, he's still nowhere near the striker we knew him to be. So I can utterly understand why. Uh, Michael Beals uh, has these frustrations with him and, you know, it must have been made clear to Alfredo Morales because, in fact, he's out of the team again, you know, and it looks like Antonio Jolak, um will continue to be the first-choice striker, certainly for the, the foreseeable future because, you know, he, he's playing really, he played really well against uh, Kamarnock, especially for, for 45 minutes. He was excellent. And then against Habs, uh, it was a tremendous night for the whole team. Two goals, two well-taken goals. Uh, probably could have had another couple that night, um, and you know, okay, did get a goal against uh, Wraith at the weekend. It was a difficult game for him as somebody who's relying on quality, uh, sort of delivering it in the box and finding those wee pockets of space inside the box. When he was up against sort of ten guys camped, in there just, there just wasn't that space for a lot of it. So, but I think uh, he looks to me like he's going to be the guy. We spoke about this last time I was on. He was going to, were they going to? You know basically priority get the the players that are going to be here next season for me i think that you're starting to get a sign that that's what uh michael Beale's doing he's starting to pick the guys that he thinks are going to be the <coughs> sorry the, the key men for this team going forward so um and as for your second question about the surprise that somebody like Sevilla, I, I know Scott's saying that they're going to <laughs> But I still think they're a, they're a huge club.
1: Uh, I'm looking, sorry, just sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just looking at the tables now. It's, it's so close. They're, they're sitting in 13th, albeit they're only, uh, they're only two points off the relegations. But they're only five to, points off 9th, so they're not bad. Yeah. They're a big club.
2: If you'd said to me a year ago or just before Manila's got his uh, the injury that he picked up in international duty, I'd be would i be surprised to see a, a club like Sevilla going from no, but right now, yeah, because I think he's, he's he's fallen so far short of what the player he was back then. Whether that be injury wise, I, I can't see it. I can't think it's the injury that's causing this. And I think it's just attitude and application. I just think he's he's not putting in the same levels of effort in terms of his preparation for games. That's right. I mean, I heard somebody say this the other day that I, I totally agree with it. Could you imagine if Al- for everybody else was at a certainly a Premier League team that he would be in the physical condition that he's in. I'm not saying he's overweight, I think he has slimmed down a bit, but mm. I, I, I think you would see uh, if he was playing for a club of that ilk, where he thought he had in a league that demands so much of you, he would be absolutely peak fitness, and I just don't think he's anywhere near that right now, and I think that'll be, I think that'll time will tell, but I would, be, I would imagine that'll be proved out in where he ends up next season. I think you, you'll find that if he, if he stays in his current condition, then he won't be anywhere near certainly one of the sort of the, the bigger hitters in our top five league. I'm not saying that he's not going to end up in Spain or, or France, but I, I can't imagine he anywhere near one of the sort of the top the top teams. I just I, I just don't think he's shown the level the levels required either with his professionalism or his football of late that would get him that kind of move.
1: Scott, we've, we've discussed about the whole Kent-Morelos thing. The, the whole contract situation's uh, been debated so often. What the club should have done with them? At, at what point should they have cashed in them? And we spoke about who Morelos you know, could have got £16 million and Stuart Robertson uh, rated them the same as Dembele in terms of transfer fee at one point and then Kent. So the two of them could go for nothing. We did a feature on the website earlier today just looking at in 12 months' time, players who would be in that same situation. And John McLaughlin was one. He's maybe not as, as much of a priority, given his status in the squad. Kemar Roof was another. A lot of fans, given his injury record, would be happy to see him go, maybe even earlier uh, yeah. than, than the year that he's got left. But Barisic and Lundström were two that jumped out. Um, you know, players who have been key players, you know where would you see them, or wh- how do you think the club should act with them given that a year down the line they would be free to negotiate a pre contract? What should they do with them this summer?
0: It's tough, Gav. Um, Barisic, I kind of flip flop with Barisic at times. If you'd have to me, even no, a month, a couple of months ago, I would have said, Look, he's, he's I think. He's probably coming to the end of his time at Rangers. He's kind of... You know, he's done his time, ran his course, if you like. I want to see what Yilmaz is all about at left-back. Um, but Barisic, I'm sure Andy will agree. I think the last month or so, he's been he's been excellent. Uh, right. back.
2: I, I think since he came back for the World Cup, he's been yep. excellent. I think his crossing his way. The first half of the season, I think it was a bit floaty. He's been
0: whipping these balls in his yeah. left, left foot has ang- he's, well, I agree with Scott, ang- he's been terrific since he came back don't, don't get me wrong. I mean the flip side of that is you know some he's defending obviously uh, particularly away from home against Celtic has been deplorable. Um at times he's really struggled I think against particularly Abada but even even Jota on that side uh, as well. So my gut feeling is that Michael Beale will probably want to freshen up that area of the pitch. You no, know, Yilmaz is in a long-term contract. Um I think he'll look I think he'll look at that area in terms of trying to freshen up. So that might mean Barisic either run this contract down excuse me, run this contract down <coughs> or Rangers looking to try and try and get a buyer for him uh, before before he can start talking to clubs on a free. Um, Lundstrom I think Lundsström has been no, he's been a shadowy the player that he was. No, certainly for the second half of last season. However, I think he's getting off in the bank. I think he's still at a a good age. Um, and listening to Michael Beale, I think he still sees a big role for him in this Rangers team going going forward. Whether that will be starting every week, maybe not. But I would certainly been asked Michael Beale. <coughs> Well, a good few months ago now whether you no know, I put it to him that Lundstrom was coming into the last year's contract and was that was that something that the club would look to address and he said he said it was. He said it was it would be something that you no know, was a kind of matter of urgency and you no know, he wanted the club to go and go and speak to Lundstrom about extending his deal. So I think they want him to stay. I think if they can get him another contract, then he will. Um but but Baris, Baris it's probably a bit more up
2: to Sorry, do you agree with me that John Lunstrom, If you look at his sort of age's career, especially his first year, he had these, you know, ups and downs. Obviously, he's spoken about the, the sort of challenge he had, sort of playing underneath his hero Stephen Gerrard. But you know, there was times when he got that run in the team and he was fresh. Then you got the best of him. I tend to think Longstaff basically played every game in that season with his fit. and it looks like he's just. There's a few guys like this at times that have just looked a bit fatigued, and he's one of them. It just looks like. I think with and if you can take it, take a bit of the pressure off him and you know, freshen those legs up, that perhaps that might be the key that sort of gets him back to his, his best form.
0: I think he's played with injuries as well this year, Andy. I think I don't know how serious the is that is it his ribs or his abdomen or something that was injured at one point, which can be a real killer for a player. No one of the injuries we think he can, you think he can play. Um, because it's no your not your legs or your hamstrings or your ankles or whatever you think you're fine, but it, it actually restricts you once you're out there, and I feel as if he has played somebody who's been restricted at times this season physically. Certainly, the cup final. I know everybody had a had a, a poor game in the cup final, but as I say, he was. When you compare his performance in the Scottish Cup semi final last year. To the League Cup final this year, it was absolutely night and day. And I know there's circumstances around that, different players and stuff, but in terms of his approach and his attitude and his his hunger and his energy, it it was night and day. Um, We spoke
2: spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he basically said, as much as that, that he just, when it came to getting close to Celtics players, he just couldn't get there. And I think that sort of tells you a wee bit that, you know, he's not at the condition, whether it be injury or just, because he's just played so much, he's just fatigued. He just couldn't, he couldn't get to get close off to Celtic guys. So I just think that like that perhaps shows you that you, you perhaps need to try and take the workload them off a wee bit. Perhaps you know, as you see Raskin, Cantwell coming in, guys that can sort of play in similar areas. You still get obviously Ryan Jack and Kamara there. That you're not going to have to sort of run them into the ground. This, so I, I think there still is uh, uh, a part from my play. But I would, I would caveat that with that by saying that when he does get his chance, he has to reach the levels he was at second half of last season. If he, if he can't quite get back to those levels, then I think, you know, in the day, I think we've all, we'd all agree that this is a squad that can't afford any more passengers. I'm not saying he's a passenger yet, but I think, you know, the, the, the sort of levels that Michael Beale wants to take the squad back to, the minimum that gets John Lundstrom into the team is the, the levels he was performing at last season. I not that I... he's performing at now.
0: I don't know if you agree, Andy. But I mean, what I would say about Lindstrom, as much as I like him, I do think he can slow Rangers' play down at times when they don't need it, and I think that's a problem, particularly in domestic games at home. You no, know, when against maybe kind of you know, lower half of the table or position, you no know, teams that you would expect to go and to go and beat comfortably. I think at times it's been even proved the last couple of months that Ryan Jack. Is probably a better option in there, or even Kamara as the as the sitter, because they move the ball a wee bit, a wee bit quicker. I just think
2: you've seen me the likes of Asking coming in; that his first intentions to pass forward. Yeah, there's Lundstrom's first intentions at times just to protect the ball. It's just not the player I thought we were, the Rangers were going to be getting because when he first came in, there was all this talk about him being a sort of rampage and. Sort yeah. of a ball carrier. I mean, I think you'd see there'll be a bit more of them for Sheffield United, the certainly that had Scott, but the talk was that he was going to be somebody who was just going to sort of bring power and running yeah, strength in it. Very rarely have you actually seen that, his ability to sort of break lines and, and you know, drag the team up the, the pitches. He's obviously he's been used in a much different role for Rangers, he's more of a protector. You see him jumping, uh, sort of sitting back and joining it at a back three a lot of the times and, and just holding his position rather than. Having that license to break on, but I'm I'm just surprised that he's not got that more dynamic aspect to his play, given that was yeah. all the talk that he, the sort of player that was going to be coming in.
0: Listen, we could see how good he was you know, last season in that European run, certain games. So that that is in him. No, we haven't seen it enough this season. And as I say, I think at times his style maybe doesn't suit rangers in certain games. But it will suit them in other games. You know, it might be European games, it might be big away games, old firm games, whatever. So there's undoubtedly a role for them in the team. And as I say, that's why I think Bill <clears throat> has spoken positively about them in terms of keeping them at the club and getting them to sign a new contract. But you know, that's not to say it will start every week. Um, but you, know, you get back to your original question, Gav, what will, they, will they want to keep them? I think they will. I think he'll come into that category of guys that they'd like to extend. Barisic, I'm not 100% sure. I not have to admit.
1: But the thing is, even if not convinced, even if I'm not convinced, it's about doing what's right in a business sense. I mean, this is a problem where else, you know... Yeah. It was about- no, they need they need to manage it so that in a year down the line we're not talking again about another two players who are ready to just walk out the door. Yeah. So that so
0: that means that this summer, basically, what I'm saying is yeah. they'll need to get they need to get Lindstrom tied down in an extended yes. contract, and they need to make a decision on Barisic. And if they don't want to lose him for nothing, listen, yeah. they might go like that and say look, Barisic, we've had what money's worth. Yeah. There's no there's no clubs you no know, in reactive bids. You no, know, he's a year older. Yilmaz is maybe going to be the first choice left back, but him and Barisic can compete, and then you just accept that next year Barisic goes goes in a free. If you don't mm-hmm. think that, then this summer, you no, know, it's it's the director of football's job to actively look for a for a buyer and look for an exit with, with Barisic to get some of the get some of the money back. And as you say, you could argue that you know, they they kind of have to do it now. If you do feel as if he's maybe on the downward slope, then Now's the time to, to cash in. We are year, year. to go.
2: Certainly, what I would say is that I think as well as Balazs is playing right now. I think Sunday's game is a perfect example of where even if he's playing well and whipping in these dangerous balls, if you're sitting there when you get teams, you know, jamming the box up, then you, know, you you could be, you know, David Beckham, and you're still not going to be able to crack these teams open because there's just so much you know, uh, so many hurdles to overcome for a better choice of phrase inside the box and, you know, try to pick out one guy amongst ten is is very difficult. That's why I think perhaps going forward the evolution of this team, Yumas is perhaps somebody of a Yulmaz type, you know, somebody who's going to look to play short passes, come inside, link up, charge in for that left-back area. That is maybe a, a... A wiser option for this team. You know, in the day you've seen Rangers, you know, over the last three four years, spend games just throwing aimless sort of crosses, or even not aimless, but just succession of crosses into the box, and it's never really worked. In order to open up teams, you really need to sort of move them out about a wee bit more. That's perhaps maybe why I like Sayyed as somebody of his type. It might be the answer to the sort of, you know, well, we've all seen that this Rangers team at I times, th- a wee bit stayed and a wee bit sluggish, you know, perhaps I think if you can get Eomas up to the levels that are required, then perhaps that might be the the way that <coughs> helps, you know, helps the team move forward.
0: I, th- I think you're right, Andy. Even the game on Sunday, as much as we're crosses were terrific, and they were, it wasn't really... It wasn't really working in terms of you no know, getting the better of Wraith because, as you say, it was a congested box. You no, know, they were wanting centre backs, were wanting crosses to get into the box. I felt it was crying out for full back or you no know, a wide player to actually get to the byline. I think I always think the best way to break teams down when they're, when they're playing in that you no know, such a low block as they they now like to call it is that you get to the byline and you get to the byline and cut and cut balls back. I don't really think delivering from deep, where Barisic was, is, is the answer to break the teams down. And, and I agree with you. I think Yilmaz is probably better at that. Better at overlapping, getting to the byline and cutting, cutting balls back. And it'll be interesting to see if we see, you know if we see more of that between now and the end of the season. I mean, obviously, we
2: spoke to uh, Boran Barisic the weekend. There, he's he's, he's hoping to be back, going back to Croatia this week. His, his wife's um, about to give birth, so. There's no guarantee he'll be back for, for Saturday's trip to for park. So, I mean, there's you know perhaps a, a big opportunity for Red Van Yilma's this weekend, whether or not. I mean, he's only obviously played, what was it, 25 minutes mm-hmm. um, against Ray Throvers and uh, half an hour and a, uh, and a bounce game against Celtic youngsters know, through the week. So he's, it's maybe a bit early to throw him in there. But if Parasic isn't back from uh, wetting the baby's head, then I'm not sure what other option Rangers have got. <laughs>
1: well you'll be there you'll both be there is that right
0: yep we'll be there great
1: okay well you can uh,
0: early finish Andy In the pub for half four
1: you can can deliver your verdict on Neil Manns next week right (laughs) thanks for joining us thanks
0: Bob cheers Gav thank Thank you see
1: you next week